So uh, this is Kyle's first viewing. First viewing of the Lost Boys. Did you post that picture? Oh shit! I was going to post something, but um, did you post that as you're watching it today? Like you watch, you're like you're fresh. Yeah, like I watched viewing? it like an hour and a half ago. I've Holy shit! It. Yeah, that's crazy. Grind hour and a half. <laughs> in, in, my, in my existence of being on this earth, I just finished Lost Boys an hour and a half ago. And it's Wild. the year 2023. That's sad. <laughs> That's sad. Brendan, what about you? Uh, I have watched it many, many times. Um, oh. You know, it, it's funny. I was thinking uh, the last episode that you were on, Mitch, by the way, always a pleasure to have you. Uh, the last episode that you were on, we covered a vampire vampire movie. And now we're covering another vampire movie. I love it. Oh, it's almost like there's true, a theme. True story. How interesting. Um, okay, crazy. So it is, as host, um, I, I get to welcome them to the Ruminations of Red Rum. Is that what I do? Mm -hmm. Is that my job as sure. host? Yeah, sure. Yeah? Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Welcome once again to Ruminations of Red Rum. This fine day, we are joined by uh, guest hosts, myself, uh, Mitchie D, the guru of goth, the godfather of gore, the North American, Native American Thor. <laughs> the North American. Both accurate statements. Uh, and, uh, and then, of course, your regular hosts, who you love and adore, uh, we have Mr. Fantastic Brendan Jesus. Welcome, Ortega. Sir. Ortega. I thought I thought Kyle was gonna Ortega. Say it. Was gonna throw in Ortega. He remembered it, yeah. Um hi. Uh, like I said, it's always nice to have you here. Uh, and I like that we got to do uh two vampire movies in a row. One uh very much better than the other. I, I <laughs> So stay tuned, dear listener, and find out which one is which, as we do today's uh, fantastic uh, ruminations on the, uh, well, I mean, you've already seen the title, so it's no secret, it's not a spoiler, but uh, The Lost Boys. Uh, and you know him, you love him. He writes with a number two pencil, but he's number one in our hearts. He's got a slick black Cadillac and a snapback hat. His name is Kyle with a K. Love it, sir. The guy, the guy who's never on the podcast gets my fucking interest right, and Ian, who's been on for literally three years, still can't <laughs> nail an intro. Uh, um, what's your name, Lyle? Lyle, uh, Lyle. Chris? No, um, no. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? It is going well. So, um, but right off the top, I want to apologize to your listeners and to you guys. My my throat, my voice is still coming back. I had a bit of a bout with. Uh, some type of evil bug, so apologies. Uh, but I was it in it just for you guys. Eight legged freak. It was not an eight legged oh. freak. It was a two fanged beastie. I don't know what it was. I don't know. Um, but if if you guys uh, did not catch what we were saying earlier and have not looked at the title of this episode, we are ruminating on uh, the Lost Boys. But before we get down to it, uh, let's play catch up with your hosts with the most uh brendan what have you been up to man what's going on with you 
Um, well, first I should say, uh, you don't need to apologize about your voice. It sounds, uh, I've been listening to, actually this kind of goes into what I've been doing. Uh, I've been listening continually uh, to a lot of old broadcasts of Art Bell's Coast to Coast. Um, oh. And uh, Mitch, you kind of got that that gravelly, sultry, late night radio <laughs> host voice. So I kind of hope you always sound like this. Wolfman um, Jack. Uh, but yeah, I've been going down the conspiracy rabbit hole still. Last week, I talked about the the Brad Steiger book that I was reading that supposed um, before cavemen, there were giant humanoids that fought kaiju-sized lizards. Um, I finished that book. It was r- really good. Um, I am now on to Art Bell's book, The Quickening, uh, which is basically a 1997's conspiracy theorist view of what the first few decades in the 2020s will look like. Uh, While he is correct with a lot of the things he said, um, he said some very questionable things, some some racially possibly insensitive things. So I've kind of uh, been taken aback by that a little bit. But the entire tone of the book uh, just feels like an angry old man yelling up at the sky. (laughs) <laughs> um, so it but it it's an interesting read it's a nice uh slice of life from the view of someone who was uh uh in the air force and i think in, i think he was in the air force in the 50s or 60s um and then he's just are you are you familiar mitch with art bell yeah i am indeed yeah, i've i've been taking a uh, break from listening to last podcast on the left and i've uh just been diving into a lot of his old broadcasts and it's been what uh, interesting yeah what uh kind of got you heading in that direction um i've always been uh, my mom listens to george nori uh who's the guy that took over for coast to coast once art bell I almost said officially retired. He died. Um, <laughs> that's I mean, officially that's, retired. That's, officially retired. <laughs> that's pretty fucking retired. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was actually introduced to him by an episode of last podcast on the left where they had mentioned him. And this was uh, Kyle showed them to me about two years ago at this point. Um, last podcast. And I think it was a few months into me listening to them that I found Art Bell. Um, and yeah, when I, uh, the whole Ben controversy with last podcast made me want to take a break from them. And I was like, I'll listen to Art Bell. It's kind of the same thing. And I love call in radio shows. We should do a call in episode. Maybe that'd be fun. Wouldn't that be fun? You guys could post it to your discord and they could call in, uh, cause we can set it up with the board from here and, uh, they can call into this board and we can route them right to you. That would be a lot can of we, fun. Can we do that like soon? Yeah. yeah. That'd be a blast. That would be a blast. It would be fun just to hang up on somebody. I, I think that's why I, I would like to <laughs> do like, it. Enough of you. Okay, enough of you. Okay, next caller, please. <laughs> but that's Kyle. all I got. What do you have to, man? What's the story in the world of K? Land of the K. Land um, of the K. Well, I work retail, so I'm, I've been just super swamped with work during the old november december time frame black friday starts christmas so it gets crazy busy and i work at a uh a pretty big retailer so um 
I've been working a lot, but in between that, I've just been trying to, I don't know, I've been in the gaming mood. I got a couple Platinums, Alan Wake, Spider-Man 2, Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart, um, bought the new Puppet Combo game, Christmas Massacre, mm. but aside from gaming, I, uh, I've kind of been feeling a little nostalgic, and I think I'm going to dive like really hard into all things 90s, not just horror. And Brendan kind of got me inspired by The Last Action Hero. So I bought that on 4K because that's an amazing movie. Mitch, have you seen Last Action Hero? I've never seen it. I remember oh, when it came out and I did, I've never seen it. Oh, I, man, I will tell you, so I, fell, I fell victim, man. Like at the time it was getting kind of slammed and I never yeah. checked it out, man. Fair enough. Cool. Yeah, it's super meta and it's super good. Can I say what you said, Kyle, uh, when we were talking about it last week? And I think you have described it the way it needs to be described. It is the scream of action movies. And you don't really get those. You never get those. It's true. It's super meta and it's like self-aware and it's it plays with that idea. And it's it's way it's way more like deep than like the the cover or like the advertising mm. or like will like lead you to believe it's like way uh. more deep than that and it's really good it's actually a really good um you get a lot of cameos a lot of really cool action cameos um and you actually get a really good performance from arnold so the world just like, wasn't ready for the meta that that I was at the time so, or what? Bro. yeah it was, i really i honestly see, believe that. scream scream was uh, 92 96 93 let me check. I think Last Action Hero was before that, but okay, because Last was Action was ninety three. You have Last Action like, Scream, yeah, yeah, ninety three, yeah. You have Arnold having like this self realization spoilers mm -hmm. that he's not like a real person essentially, and like having to like so he's coexist. Buzz Lightyear. Huh? Well, it's Buzz Lightyear. I guess, yeah, I guess. I guess it's. This is pre Toy Story too. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. But uh, no, it's a really okay. I'm not trying to talk about Last Action Hero, but we it's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a great movie. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna dive into all things '90s. I want to start like a Last Action Hero titled letterbox list and go through like all the good stuff in the '90s, like you know, nice. Demolition Man, Last Action Hero, the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd, like just everything and rank them. It sounds like a lot of fun. Is I Over the Top? A 90s movie. That's an 80s. Ah, oh, shit. Late 80s, right? That's the arm wrestling flick with Sly, yes. right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Where he plays like the truck <laughs> driver. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's late 80s. Let me see. Um, over, no, not I'm going to say late 80s. 80s. It's got to be at least pre 90s. Yeah. 87, same year as yeah. Lost Boys. Same year as the Lost Boom. Boys. <laughs> Lost Boys. Yeah, it's a great movie, too. Uh, but yeah, Mitch, no, that's you... it. That's really all I've been up to. What's that? Have you been up to anything, Mitch? Not a damn thing, man. Like it's it was rough. Like I got um I think it was probably because of the depression of the studio catching on fire. Not literally, but uh very figuratively, figuratively like so like everything broke. Like I, I, it was a really bad day and it went on for like a week. And um I don't want to bore you guys with the details of the software nightmare that happened in the studio, but I was about ready to I mean I was on the verge of tears like i thought we were gonna have to like scrap everything that i already had and like start from scratch and do all kinds of it was it was awful and then like almost immediately coinciding with that i got sick 
So it's just been, it's been a rough couple of weeks, but you know, you guys are the light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, when you talked about maybe doing an episode on, on the lost boys, uh, that put a smile on my face. Hell yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Well, I'm glad to, you're to back and feeling a little better and that everything was kind of recovered from what it sounds like. So yeah, dude, like, cause I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, like I do not have the patience for, uh, tech support and problem solving. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very much, if that shit does not work, um, I kick it and stomp off in a, in a kind of like a tantrum, but when it works, it's great. But when it's not working and you got to dig deep to figure out what's broken and why certain things aren't working. Oh my God. It was, it was awful. Anyway, enough of that. Let's talk about this eighties classic not to spoil my thoughts on the film. <laughs> the Lost Boys. <laughs> and it is weird that we're doing a couple of vampire flicks, man. But like I was thinking, right, as you guys were mentioning that, because I didn't realize it either. And you you brought it to my attention that this is the second one that I've done with you that's a vampire. Like I was like, oh, maybe I'll only come for the vampire shows. But there are too many good ones to not, that I don't, I, you know, I want to be on with you guys. But um, I, I would be more than happy to be uh, the vampire. Uh, connoisseur and promote vampire flicks to be on this uh fine show you guys have because I, mean, I, lo- I love vampires <laughs> dracula we 2000 were... dracula 2000 <laughs> we're doing you're gonna be on it also no. <laughs> um underworld underworld There's i know i know so wait there, well, there is under- in that right there there are some vampires in that it's, it's okay. about vampires well, come on. I mean, I'm like 90s vampire kid, goth kid before like there was the emo goth and, and hot topic goths. And I was like, going to say grew- before there was a hot topic. Yeah. And I grew up reading like the Anne Rice novels and, and uh, just devoured all those. So I've always been a, a fan of the vampire. And this movie is I, I know that there's been some before this, but this one did such a fine job of combining all these different elements of vampirism and the the concept of the the uh, the vampire and then also bringing together you know like the 80s uh vibe so um i wanted to to kind of go in a, in this order and you guys can jump in we can discuss however we want but i mean i want to start with the tagline sleep all day party all night never grow old never die <laughs> it's fun to be a vampire <laughs> that's that 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 sums up this movie man um, directed by Joel Schumacher, um, which for me, he's been hit or miss over all, all his career. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will let Brendan get into that with you, maybe with his fear facts. Kyle, you want to introduce the fear facts? Oh, I get chills every time. The Lost Boys is a 1987 supernatural comedy vampire horror written by first-time screenwriters Janice Fisher and James Jeremias. Once director Joel Schumacher was on board, Dead Zone and Interspace writer Jeffrey Bohm was brought on board for rewrites. Initially, Fisher and Jeremias' script was more youth-oriented. Uh, Goonies director Richard Donner was initially set to direct, but when he backed out and Schumacher got attached, um, Donner didn't really leave entirely. Um, Richard Donner would go on to get an EP credit for this film after bringing Bohm on to doctor the script to make it edgier, hotter, and more adult. Uh, 
Jesus Christ, my handwriting is awful. Uh, Jason Patrick initially turned down the role of Michael many times, but after uh, listening to Joel Schumacher talk about his vision and given very liberal creative control over his character, um, he immediately jumped on board. The Lost Boys would make the would mark the first pairing of the two Corys, Heyman Feldman, who would go on to do a handful of projects together. Unfortunately, Corey Haim passed away in 2010 from complications of pneumonia and basically a life uh, a very long battle with addiction. Uh, both boys are have said to uh, endured relentless rape and sexual assault from a young age by people in the entertainment industry. And for ten million dollars, Feldman told his story. Uh, I'm not. I'm, that was that was ill-timed laughter. Um, I just thought it was funny that he said he wouldn't tell it until he got $10 million. Uh, funnily enough, Feldman uh, almost was almost kicked out of the film uh, when he was 16 at the time. He kept showing up to work, coming down from a cocaine binge. Uh, Shoemaker sat him down and gave him one last chance in which Feldman turned himself around and came to set sober every day. Uh, where was I? Uh, on a budget of 8.5 million, the Lost Boys would bring in 3.2 million dollars, uh, making it fairly financially successful, while also becoming critically a hit. Not only that, this film became a very huge cult classic, and as Mitch has said, it's become a very iconic film. Creating the phrase "vamp out," the Lost Boys inspired Buffy the Vampire Slayer and was referenced many, many, many times in what we do in the shadows. But without further ado, let's grab some Chinese food, fill up our squirt guns with holy garlic water, and vamp out as we talk about The Lost Boys. All right. Um, I, you guys, can I, can I start with Schumacher? I mean, uh, I think that's where we need to start. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> honest. I, I, I can't move on. Because like when I until we address this, because I, I I saw this film when I was a kid, I watched it my whole life, and I I think maybe we've discussed this before, but I didn't become like a a a more well read cinephile uh, until I was well into my twenties, um, where I paid more attention to directors. I obviously had as a kid of the you know my age than I am, but I was a fan of Spielberg and, and Lucas because that was what I grew up on. And those are kind of the only names I knew. Um, so my whole life loving Lost Boys, I didn't realize until much later that the guy who directed Batman and Robin <laughs> mm -hmm. directed this. And it kind of blew my mind. Like, how did he go from something like this? And also, if maybe we get lucky enough or I get lucky enough, we can cover this movie sometime down the line. Flatliners, which I think is also awesome. Mm. And this one, like, how did that how that happen? You can see it, the DNA. Can you see like, it? A lot of, like, I know like he loves doing the red light shots against the face. Like He did it a lot <laughs> in Batman Forever with Two-Face. And it's got like the same stuff going on in this. But I'm the same thing or the same way with you. I didn't start to get into directors and all that kind of stuff until same time, like my twenties. And, um, first and foremost, I just got to say, this isn't my favorite Schumacher film, uh, the lost boys. I won't get into my first thoughts yet, but, um, falling down, just shout out to that. I didn't know he directed that till way later. 
but yeah. falling down with is I that think the Michael Douglas movie? Yeah, yeah. I it's, I want to see that so dude, bad. It's 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 my favorite film of his personally. It's so fucking good in my opinion. Um, I saw that, and in then the I love Batman Forever. Floored me, <laughs> dude. I bet, man. I would have loved to have seen that in theaters. Um, but yeah, I I do like a lot of his films. I was a fan of Phone Booth. I know the number twenty three gets shit on, but I think that movie is fine. Um. So you're saying Batman, he's got a, yeah. a good batting average and that Batman and Robin's like the outlier is is more what you're saying. I think yeah. Kyle's saying he loves I, Batman. That's fine. I, I, love, I love the Batman. Nicholas. I love the Batmans. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I know and you love the Batmans. I actually think, not to go off on a tangent, but 8mm also great. Um, I haven't seen Flatliners. I think he has more good than bad. Fair. Um. So there, there's only a handful of films that I have seen by him. Those being the Batman movie and Eight Millimeter, uh, both of which are very homoerotic movies. Uh, and he's he's gay. So that wait. Uh, but to go back onto your thing, Mitch, uh, about saying how you didn't really focus on directors in in or until you know your your twenties. Um. I came out of the womb saying Quentin Tarantino, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this this will be a discussion. Oh, my goodness. Um, Tarantino. uh, (laughs) Your first word. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, so these are the only three films that I've seen by him. And this film feels very homoerotic. Oh, it's there. It's there. uh, yeah, Mitch, I don't know if you had noticed this before. Um, I've probably seen this movie 10, 12 times. Um, yeah. this, last night was the first time I noticed it. The On the bed, uh, the closet door in... That uh, sexy Rob in, Lowe poster. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, maybe I was reading into it too much, but to have a very sexy man pulling his shirt up on the door to your closet that felt uh i i kind of was like you know what i think i need to pay a bit more attention to the sexual undertones of what's in a little boy's room yeah Yeah. and in the the bathtub scene in hindsight made me feel a little uncomfortable knowing about Corey Haim's history in the industry um suddenly things take a different uh tonality and got a little bit different uh, context (laughs) right yeah unfortunately um, it was just an innocent bubble bath, Brennan. Oh, that, <laughs> yeah, what you know, you, <laughs> what tags would on on Pornhub? No, we're gonna stop that there. Oh. <laughs> we're gonna stop that there. Let's talk about the fact that he also directed videos for NXS, Bush, Seal, Lenny Kravitz, and I didn't know that either. I thought that Ooh, was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a pretty sweet thing. And the NXS makes a lot of sense um, as we get to the next topic, but. Um, as a as a film fan, do you guys feel like this as film fans? Like, was it? Do you think the uh, the camp was of the time, or was it intentional? I mean, what do you think about the way that he he did this movie? I'd rather start this with you, Mitch. Yeah. So, like, being there watching it as a kid, like, what did you feel when you were seeing this? Like, was it? Why is it still? like a staple for 80s not only 80s cinema but like you look at anything as far as horror culture and it's got 
the Lost Boys on it. You know what right. I mean? Like the Lost Boys is everywhere. Like, what was it like then? Like when it was coming out? Right. You know, this is something that we've, we've uh, me and a couple other friends of mine and I've discussed with uh, Natalie at, at length. Um, and just give me just a little moment here while I try and get to the point. Like when we're introduced to things at a young age, it seems like what was shocking in the 80s is now completely passe and completely unshocking now, right? But it seems like to me, it would make sense that regardless of the era in which you're born, the things that you view, the things that get introduced to you should remain shocking, even if they're old. And and what I'm trying to say is like, what was shocking in the 50s or the 60s, why when you see it when you're eight, is it not shocking if you were born in the year 2000? Because it should still mm-hmm. be, like it's the first time you've seen it, it should be shocking to you. But somehow there's like this common thread, this this social unconscious acceptance and um, evolution of uh, visuals and topics that somehow infiltrates or some permeates your your mind and your impression of things. So I mean to say to get to all that is that when I saw it, like it was it was quite scary. It was it was horrifying. It was pretty intense. The cheese wasn't as visible to me because it was in the eighties, in the early nineties. Like, so to me, that was just like everyday life. You know, sometimes I oil myself up and I play sax on the beach. That's just what happens. So I don't know. I, I mean, for me, it was, why is it still iconic? Why is it still great? I think for some reasons, it's like you had these huge, uh, iconic roles. Like the moment I, as I was watching, I watched it twice this past week. Um, and I was watching it and I said out loud, I'm like, and Kiefer strolled into our hearts. Cause he comes walking along. <laughs> like the moment he walks on that, that carousel, he strolled onto the screen and mm-hmm. strolled right into our hearts forever. Like Kiefer. And then the Corys, I mean, they went on to do like nine, 10 movies together. It, it, it stands up because it's just, it's well-timed. It's not I don't know, man. It's not overly cheesy. It's not, and it also really encapsulates a lot of what was happening in the eighties. Someone interrupt me. Say something. I was completely engorged. I don't know. Yeah, if that's the right. Word. I was really? entranced. Entranced. I think that's what I was trying to say. Engorged. I'll take engorged. engorged. I got a huge heart on. Well, I mean, like watching it, man. Like that's how I felt. Like that's you know and. It's uh, it's pretty impressive that 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 it does hold up, and I didn't know that it, it shows up constantly on on you. You guys dig a little deeper on the horror film side, but it's constantly referenced. Huh? It's still being mentioned, still held in regard. Yeah, and I think going back to your point on like seeing the cheese now and stuff, I think through the decades as people are you know come into existence and experience new things, I think it kind of just depends on like what they're exposed to, obviously, and. Okay. Um, for example, uh, when I was a kid, um, Roger Rabbit used to scare the shit out of me because the main dude who's played by, uh, Doc Brown, that guy, I forgot his name, uh, uh, from back to the future. He has this scene where like, he's like, he gets acid poured on him and his skin is just melting off and it's fucking terrifying as a kid. And I look (laughs) back at it now and I'm like, oh yeah, this looks super cheesy. But back then it was like absolutely terrifying. So I'm looking at the Lost Boys through the lens of a 35-year-old man who's pretty yeah. much seen and done it all already, whereas you saw it 
at an early age, if I was to see this at an early age, I think it would be more in line with how you felt because I haven't been exposed to so many dark, crazy shit yet. And okay. um, there is a lot of like super like crazy imagery in this and like the makeup effects aside from max at the end which looks a little goofy um all the like the vampires look pretty terrifying actually i think their makeup effects were really cool but um i forgot the point i was getting at to this brennan take it away (laughs) uh you know mitch what you said is something that i have kind of been thinking about for a while um and i i kind of started thinking it when maybe kyle i don't remember how long ago this was we did a a month of disturbing horror we covered like martyrs and some things yeah and i i was thinking and i also just for horror press wrote uh a top 11 most disturbing movies article um so i've been going through a bunch of them recently and I, I think there's an there's a, a a huge difference between the being desensitized mm-hmm. to something and not realizing. I I don't know how I'm trying to say this. So I I I think that if you showed a movie like Martyrs to, let's say, an eleven year old, right now. They, I'm not saying that every Gen Z is going to be a fucking iPad kid. That's not what I'm saying. But the shit that, that those kids have already seen and probably said online is going to... They've seen real-life death online, un- unquestionably. Um, and I, I think that there's this desensita- de- desensitizing that's going on with the younger audiences, but... I remember when I first saw this movie when I was eight, it terrified me. And I think you kind of hit it on the head where when you said, even if you saw a movie from the 50s, it should still shock you if you're a child because you haven't seen anything like that. And I think, unfortunately, we as a, as a society are uh, kind of getting farther away from that by kids seeing too much terrible shit at a young age so what i'm trying to say is yes when i first saw this movie it terrified me i I think Mm. i was actually most scared of this was a very good anti-peer pressure movie for me uh because the scene where they're all holding on to the uh the train rail yeah and they all drop off my thought was oh my god what if i meet some kids and they want to do some bad stuff and and i end up having to hang off a, a train i was like i have no upper body strength i can't this was a very good anti-peer pressure movie for me. i'm just never gonna make friends <laughs> no, you're gonna make friends that's better better plan sorry that was a very long way to answer your question no i think that 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 you know from everybody's point of view it's we're coming at it from different places but kind of get to the same place in the end we're all up going up the mountain in a different way but get to the peak at the end is the is the goal right um before we move on to other things i'm going to ask you this question real quick um but i don't want the answer right now but i don't want to forget this question i want to know whether or not you bought um ed herman is that that's the the head vampire's name the actor's name i think did you believe him to be the victim or did you see it coming but don't answer that yet but we'll get to that 
uh, answer in just a little bit, uh, dear listeners. But before we do, I want to get to the soundtrack because this, the whole movie Ooh. like just opens, just blows up with Timmy Capello. Is it Capello? Yeah. <laughs> No, you, it's a great track, man. <laughs> it's it's a really killer soundtrack, man. It's a blast, and uh, in more '80s like love, man. Like you cannot you cannot look away from that opening sax attack. You can't. Dude, I was so greased up, man. I could <laughs> use him as a slip and slide. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, the soundtrack was really killer. As soon as like it opened up. I got chills for Mitch. Not even for me. I was like, oh, this is a Mitch-ass movie, dude. <laughs> it really um, is. A uh, uh, little tidbit about that song, the song that it's carried out throughout the entire film. They drop yeah. it in. At, um, that song was written, uh, the guy who wrote it, wrote the song based solely off reading the script. So the song was made before the movie was even in production for filming. Um, and I think that's kind of neat. I love themes that are, or songs in general with like lyrics and stuff that are made and tailored specifically for the film mm-hmm. that like carry yeah. the story threads and carry like the overall theme of the movie and what it's trying to say. I love when movies do that. And I don't think, I don't think movies do it enough. And this is like a really awesome example. And I don't mean to get too far ahead, but I'm getting chills just thinking about it. <laughs> when, when, um, when, uh, Keeper's character is dying at the end and it starts playing without the instrumental, just the vocals. Yeah. And it's just saying like, you shall not. I was like, oh my God, this is epic. But yeah, no, it was really cool. Sorry. Just, the theme is really cool. I like the theme. Um, also, uh, his character doesn't die. Um, oh, thank you. well, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Uh, there was actually supposed to be a sequel called The Lost Girls, which is about his character not dying. Um, there's a, a really good fart metal cover from a band called Seasons After. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that band, um, but no. they do a really good cover of Cry Little Sister. And I highly recommend you listen to it. Nice. Well, we'll check it out, and then hopefully they give us a kickback for their streams suddenly going out. For their, for their uptick in the streams. Yeah, the yeah. uptick in streams because everyone's checking it out. Um so the, yeah, the soundtrack you have in excess. You've got uh, Echo and the Bunnymen covering the doors. When Love I, when I, dude, like it's kind of crazy how they have in the last maybe ten fifteen years, kind of gotten like re exposure. And I guess they were on the Donnie Darko soundtrack. Darko, yeah, that's where they got a lot of. That's where kids my generation kind of discovered them for sure. Uh, okay, that ex- that explains a lot too. But um, yeah, I didn't. I wasn't a fan. Yeah. Of the movie, I like Echo and the Man. Um, the the Doors cover, like when I first heard it, because I was kind of uh, inundated and raised on the Doors. Like this is before I I recognized like the value in some covers. Like at first I was like, who who's this covering the Doors? What are they? What right do they got? <laughs> and yeah. I remember just being like very put off. And then it just like really grew on me. But the soundtrack, um, little anecdote for you guys, like back in the day on the Sega Saturn, and you're wondering right now, how does that connect to Lost Boys? We used to get together and play Saturn Bomberman, like six to 10 player Saturn Bomberman. And all my buddies used to tease me because I was kind of like the only goth in the group. 
and they would play the Lost Boys soundtrack when my character was winning. Whenever I would do really well, they'd play that soundtrack <laughs> for me. <laughs> That's and, awesome. But it was fun. We kind of like had one guy who was like DJing from his laptop as we played the game. We'd play different theme songs, and they'd always play uh, Lost Boys for me. But, do you guys um, have like? Do you guys have like any examples of? films where you discovered a band that you winded up really enjoying through the soundtrack of the film oh yeah brendan do, like, do you guys have any examples like uh mm-hmm. echo and the Bunnymen is i i hate to say this but i did discover them from the donnie darko soundtrack um and then i dived Cringe. hard I, it, it is what it is it is what it is another example though is like i discovered the shins through the garden states soundtrack um like things like that like do you guys have any examples of discovering bands that you like really yeah um the band medicine on the from the crow movie Mm. still have to see the crow yeah i this is probably going to be a cheap answer but i saw the dvd for uh, the pick of destiny in a blockbuster and I rented it just because of Jack Black. And that's how I found Tenacious D. I guess nice. that counts. That's fair. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. counts. And I guess my second answer would, would also be from the crow, um, throw kill cult. Like that, mm. that movie introduced me to some, some industrial stuff I hadn't really ever listened to before. Um, the story and the mythos, the vibe, the movie itself. Um, we mentioned earlier about the Corys. Were you guys Corey's fans? I mean, I know you're a bit younger than I, but I mean, I I grew up watching the Corey's. And oh, me too. I love that shit. Like my favorite Corey's movie is Dream a Little Dream. I watch that movie every year, multiple times. Um, just fucking love it. And this is a great introduction to the Corey's. I think if someone is ever like interested in seeing the Corey's perform together, especially Feldman, man. Feldman is so Feldman. Oh my God. You Dude. Killed, killed the vampires. Like his, his like affected voice. He's like doing his, his tough voice. He's doing yeah, his tough, his tough voice. voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he's great. Should have put that voice on when they were in the back rooms. Um, oh, no. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I grew up liking the Feldmans uh, for sure. The Corys. Uh, the Corys. Uh, License to Drive was a great movie. Um, Obviously, the Goonies. I I think the Goonies is a. I never got into it uh, like a lot of kids did, but I do enjoy the film. Um, Corey Feldman in the Burbs is a classic. Oh, dude, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I love him in the Burbs. That's one of my favorite um, casting choices of all time. And then I was he in Gleaming the Cube? Do you guys? That wasn't was that, that Slater. Yeah, that I was do. Slater, but I. Was it Feldman was in it too? I could be wrong, but I don't know why I'm thinking of that with them. But yeah, I uh, I thoroughly enjoy the Feldmans. I mean, he's he's also uh, Friday the Thirteenth canon. That's true. That's yeah. What is it? Three, four, twelve? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) One of them. Yeah, he's no. I I think he's in two, right? I don't, I don't think don't he's in two. No, he's not. I, I, two, no. I'm um, pretty sure it's it's past that. It's like three or four. But yes, a, a little little Feldman, little Feld dog. My my Feldman is a musician. The comeback king. <laughs> uh, that's all I got to say. But I I unabashedly enjoy his music. 
Um, you're welcome. <laughs> so everyone go listen to it and Corey enjoy the uptick in streams again. <laughs> uh, the frog brothers. Yeah. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, what I, about, uh, I kind of, go ahead. I kind of, uh, wish we would have got a little more of them because they, mm. they make, they make an appearance like sporadically a couple times in the first half of the film. Yeah. Well, you wish we had less of them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hold on, we'll finish your thought first, and then I'll 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 chime in. Oh no, I I liked how they were uh they were the linchpin for the lore, um for for expanding on the lore. Um, I I I really enjoy the uh the scene where Max comes over for dinner, uh, and they're uh they they try and get sam to you know do all these tests on max and he's like hey max you want some parmesan cheese he just puts a shitload of garlic um but uh, i do like how that all kind of leads to uh when they all confront max in the house at the end he um he says you invited me in all rules basically go out the window so that's why he could eat the garlic and um and the holy water didn't bother him and stuff, but that that whole dinner scene is so funny. They they put uh they put the candles out, shut the lights off, um, and I think he says like, oh, oh I th- we need to find the breaker box or something like. It's just it's so funny and so ridiculous. Um, but Kyle, like I would like to know why. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I enjoy like so once I bought into the idea about what the movie was and the comedic elements it was trying to do, I like I was invested and I accepted it. But my preconceived notions of this film was a lot darker and less monster oh. squad and less goonies and more like <laughs> 80s dark vampire kind of um coming of age film, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it's and, kind of epitomized in that line where he's running up where the where Haim is running up the stairs and he's like, "Ooh, you're a blood sucking vampire! Wait till mom finds out!" Like lines like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was very like, and just the whole like um, fend off at the end and the preparation montage and all that. It was very like Monster Squad kid like movie, and I wasn't expecting that. Like I said, once I like accepted it for what it was, I like was invested, and I was like, okay, this is fun, this is cool. But I just didn't have that uh, expectation going into it. I thought it was going to be a little darker. That's so I fair. guess it's not like I I wanted less of them. It's just it. I would say that in the beginning, I it's not what I would have wanted out of the film. But when they started, like as the progression of the film went, I I got invested and. I winded up liking it for what it turned out to be. So cool. Yeah. You know what interests me is the the uh, on the Frog Brothers and the their integral part of the mythology and and kind of what's happening there. They've been they're aware that there's all these vampires in Santa Clara. Is that the name of the fake name? Mm-hmm. Um, they're the aware capital that, of the world. Yeah, they know that it's going on. But then when it really came down to it, even after all the prep, they totally like fell down in mm-hmm. the the last battle. They really didn't do much. Like the dog did more. The vampire like corners them in the bathroom, and the two frog brothers like fall on the floor, like huddling together, hugging each other. So they're tough guys, but in the you know the actual confrontation, they kind of wussed out. Yeah, I love that drop kick that the dog did. It was epic, by the way. <laughs> like full on drop yeah, kick. It was drop awesome. Kicking dogs. That's eighties for you. That is eighties. 
do you, you, Brendan, you mentioned something about like supernatural. You said, I guess I, don't, I, I, do you remember earlier and we were discussing and, and you said something about it, like you sounded, um, questioning of, of the supernatural elements. Uh, no, it, it, it's more of, if you're going to call it a vampire movie, why also call it a supernatural movie? Cause uh, I, I feel like okay. it kind of, yeah, I, I was just thinking that it was a, it was, um, uh, it was just them saying the same thing twice. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it was a stupid gripe. I um, never. Actually, I... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I the you also mentioned the 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 powers. Like you give away all your power if you invite the vampire in. Like none of the <laughs> weapons work. I don't recall that in other vampire mythos. I mean, yeah, the, me either. the invite yeah. thing definitely. But the, if you invite them in, then none of your weapons work. Like all of your natural mm-hmm. weapons don't work. In so I, I like that. I thought that was a really interesting take. That's it true, actually. It, that is an interesting take. In, like something that's kind of new. I, um, I've never really found vampires to be that scary because the whole thing is because they're hot. Yeah, they're so hot. That, I was I gonna say the same thing. Them. I was like, it's really not. <laughs> um, it's if you don't invite it in, it can't get you, and you can just go out during the day and run your errands. So it, it's never, <laughs> it's never scared me that way. But um, initially, I thought it was a plot hole that at the end of the film, the the vampires come into the house without being invited. But uh-huh. I guess because their master was invited in, that was kind of carte blanche for the rest of them to come in without invitation. Would that be correct? I don't know, but that seems like that would have to be the answer. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, I I didn't think about it, but yeah. I'm trying unless... to think if there was anything that happened before the fight which led them to get inside the house. But there there was the scene where they all pulled up on their bikes when the mom first went out to dinner with Max and uh, Sam is yelling, don't open the door, don't open the door. And he I was just about to say there's that. No one out there. Yeah, it, that could have been like the letting them Fantastic in in a approval. sense because they did focus uh, really hard on like the shot of the door and like the <laughs> symbolism of him like accepting them into his life kind of thing. Uh, that could have been it. Mm-hmm. That could have been it. That's my new head cannon. I'm gonna go with that. I like it. <laughs> cool. Wow. Is that? Can, can so, I ask? Uh, I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, I was reading a theory uh, when I was searching up the fear facts, and I'm curious if if you guys agree with this. Um, so at the end, it's made very clear that the grandpa knows that there's vampires in Santa Carla, and he just <laughs> happened to let his family come out there for some reason. Um, uh. One of the theories I was reading was the reason why he didn't want anyone to touch his Dr. Peppers was because he's actually half vampire and he mixes a Dr. Pepper blood drink to make it more palatable. And the blood he's drinking is the animal blood, which is why he's into taxidermy. So the taxidermy makes it look like he's not just collecting dead animals for no reason. Where did you read this? Whoa. Uh, I don't remember. Somewhere. I mean, it it, it could be. It makes sense. I that mean, makes sense for the hole that I'm yeah. I'm about to point out because why would why would Michael inviting the vampires in? He's not the head of the household. That's grandpa's house. But if grandpa's a part vampire, 
Ooh, then maybe the rules don't maybe, apply. The, the rules, rules don't, don't apply because it's it's the house of a vampire. Yeah. So, so maybe that's why the other the other boys can get in at the end of the movie too. This movie might have just gone to a five out of five. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's kind of the writers uh fucking with us a little bit when Michael is going to leave and Max is coming in. And he's like, well, you're the man of the house. I'm not yeah. going to come in unless you invite me. So it's kind of like, uh, it's like nudging us a little bit. But when deep down, he doesn't even need the approval. I like that. Mm-hmm. Or by the, the invitation and him being the, the remaining human man of the house. The that man, does, yeah. yeah, that oh. does remove the powers of the household, like against the vampire. I like it. I like it too. <laughs> Outstanding. So are they really worms? Are they, is it a hallucination? Does he hand him a, a dube? Is it laced? Is it just vampire mind control? Because that goes with the mythos when he's eating the maggots. What's going on with that? And why are they eating regular food? Light questions. They don't really need an answer, but I think it's interesting. So they're full vampires. So They're full vampires. Yeah, so well, we... Aren't they half? No, Kiefer Sutherland and them. Because they've made vampires. their kills. Kiefer yeah, oh, that's true. on his head. Yeah, yeah. He bit yep. his dome and it squirted blood everywhere. It was great. Yep, 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 yep. Great yeah. kill. Star was gonna be made a real vampire by mm. feasting on Michael. So we know that Michael at this point is half vampire, and he can't drink the milk. Well, no, he's he's not half vampire yet because he's not half vampire until after he drinks the blood, and he drinks the blood after he tries the Chinese food. Oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I was referring to the milk scene. Um, oh, gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, actually that that's really masterful. So they they give him the the rice, turns into maggots, and then they do the worm trick with the low main. And then when it comes to the wine, they've already fucked with him twice and he doesn't yeah. believe anything they're saying now. And they're like, oh, it's blood. And he's like, yeah, right. OK, yeah. I think that's pretty damn smart. Oh yeah, they played him. Yeah, they try to make him more. They try to ease him in by making him seem like that at the like his final choice about drinking the wine. He's the smarter one for knowing that it's probably nothing because of the the past two tricks. I don't know if this is lore. Does it have to be a willing consumption, or can it be against your will? Because maybe Depends it has to lore. be, yeah. So m- maybe it has to be he has to do it of his own accord, um, for whatever spell or magic is in the blood to work. I don't know if that's true or not. But speaking of spells and magic, like the bikes outside and then vanishing, like all those things, like take it to another level of the supernatural. So. Mm-hmm. When the bikes show up, is it just Michael who's seeing those, or is Michael and Sam are they both seeing the bikes outside and they open the door and then there's nothing there? Is that like a mind trick? Is it supernatural bikes? Do they fly away? Not that it really needs an answer, but it it does take the movie from like a kind of a real fantasy supernatural setting to like super supernatural by it being so like you can't have bikes outside just vanish, but they do. It's little stuff. Yeah. I didn't like I thought about it as if they were there, but like, OK, so you thought to they your were point, actually. I I thought that they were actually there. But to your point, 
they are gone in an instant. So I, I don't, I didn't picture them in my mind flying away like a witch on the broomstick <laughs> into the moonlight or time. I wasn't picturing that. So I guess I really don't have an answer to your question, but I did, you know, imagine them there until they weren't as if they have some sort of, you know, fantasy like almost like, yeah. you know. So it is a supernatural. It's a power. Way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, there really wasn't a whole ton of gore and violence except for the surf Nazi kill scene. Like, I guess in the end, the end, <laughs> end when the, when, that sounds like a fucking, it sounds like a Russ Myers movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, did that as, as horror fans, do you guys find that, uh, is that make a difference to you and your overall feelings about the film? I mean, do you, do you think it, it needed more? I mean, I know Kyle, you said you thought it was going to be a little bit darker, a little bit heavier, um, but I guess it kind of landed in the middle of, middle of that. Um, I would like to have seen a little bit more vamp killing action. Yeah, that's kind of where, like, that vibe is kind of where I thought the movie was going to land more on a whole. But, uh-huh. like, as a horror fan, I did appreciate the over-the-topness of just the editing of that scene and the going from shot to shot of, like, each kill and the brutality yeah. of ripping arms off and stuff. I thought that was all really <laughs> cool because the rest of the movie doesn't really carry that same weight as far as, like, the really graphic content. Yeah. So I did appreciate that. It did seem like a departure theme-wise from the rest of it, but it it fit in the overall narrative of, like, how things were going. And I thought it was cool. Like, it added a lot of, like... Um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but it added a lot of like seriousness to like his situation. Gravitas. The Michaels. Yeah. It was like now, like it could be like this. Like, holy shit. Like, like he is in a really scary situation. Like this, <laughs> yeah. is this. Yeah. He's I, in danger. I'm okay. Actually that, that there wasn't much violence in it. Uh, some weird, thing that i had growing up was you know how in like 80s or 90s movies um when like it's a character or like a a teenager move into like um a new area that's always like the worst thing that's ever happened to their lives and their whole world is turned up and i get it i understand um so i've always grown up very afraid that my parents were gonna move and i was gonna have to be put in that position i guess i was just conditioned like that by movies um I I really appreciate this film more as a character study on two kids who move to a new place and are trying desperately however they can to make new friends. And it just so happens that one of them befriends a vampire killer, vampire hunters, and the other befriends a group of vampires. <laughs> um and I I'm okay that that there's not that much violence but I I do like the addition of uh, Schumacher put glitter in the blood. So after they all come out of killing the vampires, they're covered in glitter. Um, I think that I like that's a nice little touch. Do you think that's where Stephanie Meyer got her ideas? Honestly, (laughs) honestly, (laughs) maybe glittery vampires. Also, you know, what's crazy. Kiefer Sutherland was 17. Corey Feldman was 16. No way. Was he 17? He was, yeah, was, was older than 17. One of, one of the things no I was reading was he still had some baby fat on his cheeks, his, is what he was saying, and he was afraid that he wouldn't be taken seriously as a lead antagonist. But after they put the makeup on him, he was like, oh shit, I'm terrifying. 
<laughs> he he really was terrifying. Seventeen, dude. That's crazy. Yeah. Bill wasn't that terrifying. Alex Winter. Uh, you know, oh, that's one of the notes that I had. Like, whoever, whatever agent thought it would be a good idea to make Alex Winters scary. Like, I feel like there was a point where they, <laughs> in like the 80s, where they tried to make him a bit of a macho man. Not a macho man, but uh, kind of like one of these grunge hipster bad boys. And he just looks like a fucking elf. I, I, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. He looks like an elf. He just, I, I don't think that it, it yeah, uh, it sometimes you just look a certain way and that's all right. You know, we all look a certain way and Alex Winter did not look like a scary vampire. It was really just his hair that was doing him a disservice. Oh, like, dude, his hair, that hair might be the worst hair in cinematic history. I might oh. have to like give him the crown for that, but. Worse than Courtney Cox in Scream 3? Or no, two, I, which, I, wherever I, she had the I, bangs. I take it back. Courtney Cox is worse. Actually, <laughs> it's worse. it's not as bad as what's her face in in Saw Two. Saw she it. holds. She you, she you has Saw X. No Saw Two. Oh, her wig in Saw X is even worse. I don't even want to. We even, love I, you, Josh. I don't know if I can watch. We it. love you, Josh Stolberg. <laughs> um, I wor- worst hairs in horror history. We need to do a ranking, <laughs> a, a, an episode. <laughs> I am wanting to to just hit this really quickly because they did the doors cover and the soundtrack is so important. When I grew, when I, when I saw this and because I was like, my dad was introducing me to the doors um, and it blows my mind that this movie came out. It was like 15 years after Morrison had died. And that's wild to me now being an old man, like it was just 15 years. And now it's like, it's been longer since, like, for example, Kurt Cobain died. More years have passed between Kurt Cobain's death and today than it passed between Morrison's death and the Lost Boys. And that's boggling to me as a, you know, an aging Gen Xer. But mm-hmm. Morrison's poster in their lair, for some reason, seems so fitting. Like, if there were a rock star that epitomized, like, a vampiric, like, icon, it would have to be Morrison. I don't think there's anyone more vampiric that fitting like you know the sexy the dark the brooding maybe david bowie bowie's a spaceman bro okay uh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> no but he could he could he could he could be a vampire sure anyway, but i know i i i, I get what out. you're saying i i really like that crossfade of it's the the shot is on michael's face and, and then Morrison. it does it, it yeah then it does the mm. crossfade in uh, his uh I almost called him Jeff Morrison. Jesus. Um, Jim Morrison's face. Like, they kind of look very similar. Yeah. Did you guys... I I, want to hit... uh, Really quickly, I didn't like Michael. I didn't find him to be a very likable character. Like, overall... Oh, I I felt like... Really? I kind of thought he was kind of a dick to his little brother. I mean, I never felt... Like, I was always a bigger fan of the vampires, and maybe that's part of my problem with life in general. But (laughs) I was just like... I never felt like he was the hero. I I liked the Frog Brothers, and I liked Sam. Like, like at first, he's very apprehensive about the whole idea of the vampires, and they're trying to warn him. He's like, you guys are nuts. But, like, I didn't really care about Michael. I, I just didn't care. I didn't care about Star. I didn't care about Laddie. I cared, you know, about their mom. But I just, I did not feel compelled to, like, cheer for him as far as a hero goes. Yeah, and I think that's where 
my preconceived notions of what the film was going to be like really shines because it wasn't a coming of age film or something or like a metaphor for coming of age with Michael. It was more about the frog boys. It was more about the gooniness. It was more about the monster squad and the, you know, the comedy elements. And Uh I think that's what kind of pulled away from the spotlight of Michael because his story was darker and more, uh, in line of a horror movie when the yeah. rest of the film wasn't really playing that way. So he was kind of like the party, the party killer, the party pooper of, <laughs> of the plot and the film. And we were really rooting for every other character because they were more interesting. It's not that I hated him. No, um, no. Just I thought he was like- a good actor. And to your point with the, with him and his brother, the, I actually liked the dynamic they had and like the battle of like him wanting to like not be seen by his brother when he's in the vampire form and when he's floating outside and he's like trying to convince him that like, you know, he's still inside and, you know, to let him in. And I don't know. I actually liked all that, but I kind of wish they would have leaned more into, into Michael's journey, I think, than, you know than what they did but yeah i think that would have been a very different film i think you're right and mm-hmm. everything you're saying i um i agree and it would be hard for me to let go of this movie as it exists now and sure. say that i would like to have seen that movie but um no you're you're right and I it may not have had the same landing and impact though if it was that right so like yeah i think I, like i think we got the lost boys that we were supposed to have right yeah. brendan your feelings on michael uh, I kind of what I was saying earlier about how this was a good anti peer pressure movie for me. Um, I do think that this movie is a very good example of uh, it could be used as a good uh, because since it's not that graphic, there's there's one sex scene, but otherwise, I think it's a very accessible horror movie that say a parent could watch with their 12 or 13 year old if if that child is interested in horror but on top of that this does act as a really good psa of be careful who you (laughs) hang out with kids i i really think that and i'm not just trying to like shoehorn that into anything but um it worked for me i think it could work for a lot of other kids as they're dangling from the train bridge. Oh, saying, God, dude, as a kid, I was like, oh, my God, if I find myself in that position, I'm done for. <laughs> I did like the the double entendre of the of David telling Michael, let go, let yeah, go, like, let go. Yeah, yeah. that yeah, was pretty cool. cool. I dug it. Yeah. I dug it. So we'll be right back and get you uh, uh, final thoughts and ratings on the Lost Boys, as well as close it out with yours mine and the world's favorite podcast game what's in the box we'll be right back you've seen twin peaks all the way through but all you have are spoiler free discussions at blue rose task force podcast no information is classified and nothing beats the listening sensation when production history collides with deep theory put the coffee on all right welcome back to ruminations of red rum the blood-sucking, vampiric, sexy-as-all-fuck podcast on the Ruminations Radio Network. <laughs> We're talking about the Lost Boys, 
uh, classic vampire flick from the 80s. And we're going to get down to some final thoughts and ratings now. Um, although if you've been listening, I think you know where it's headed. But uh, why don't we start with uh, the man with the plan, Kyle with the K. What oh, is, you're going to uh, start with me? No. Yeah, I'm going to start with you. <laughs> no, no, he, no, I'll go, I'll go. No, I, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I, I'll, I'll take that. The take pressure that. Take is that. so high because this is one of your favorite films of all time. And all right. I have my own, no, hold on, no, 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 no. Even though I have my own thoughts on it and my own rating, I just don't want to disappoint you. You know what I mean? But I have you to could speak never disappoint true. me. You I have speak to speak true. true and I have to stick to my guns. I'm making it sound like it's going to be a lot more negative. It's yeah. not. <laughs> I just, this movie's okay. amazing. Right. Okay. Um, first time, 2023, first time seeing The Lost Boys. It was an honor. Uh, it's 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 crazy that I've gone this long without seeing s- such a famous and uh, you know uh, film in the genre horror genre and just in like pop culture in general. If I can interject um, right there, part of that, I yeah. mean, I hassled you a lot about not watching it until we could watch it together. Mm-hmm. Like I, so I mean, I I take a certain amount of responsibility for that, but I kind of finally gave up on that dream. So I'm glad you finally got to see it. I'm glad you finally watched it. And it's very fitting that even though we didn't watch it together, at least now we're doing an episode on it together. Word. So, you know what I mean? But, yeah, um, I could see, you know, the stones laid for pop culture shit with vampires in general. Kind of like what you guys said. It, like, inspired Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And you can totally see it in the makeup. And you can totally see it in the mythology. And, like, the overall, like, campiness and the humor and the comedy mixed with the you know, the dark images, like it's, it's all over pop culture, like, and seeing it now, I could see it in other things, um, where I didn't make the comparisons before. It's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it stood the test of time for reason. I think it's a, a great movie. It's funny. It's, it's, uh, it encapsulates. I mean, I didn't live through the eighties, but it's everything that you would expect to kind of like experience and, when you think of the 80s it it kind of envelops that in like a perfect way i i thought the movie was highly entertaining uh the entire time through um it had a lot to live up to though in my mind and uh for it being so famous and so it had that going against it and it did kind of play out a little differently tone like tonally than i thought it was going to um, but yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoy this film. Um, I'm going to give it a four stars and a heart. Four stars and a heart. Brendan. You shall not <laughs> uh, like I said, I've seen this movie probably 10 to 12 times. Um, it was a very effective horror movie for me as a kid. Um, as an adult, I still find it to be an effective film, maybe not as scary as I used to find it. Uh, but there's, there's, there's just so much about this movie that I really enjoy. And if you want to try and pull it apart to make themes about this being a commentary on peer pressure, uh, you can do that. Uh, so I also, I don't have it. I watched it on HBO Max. Um, I would love to get a physical copy of this. I haven't seen any of the sequels. Um, I kind of want to watch them just for fun. Uh, I will give this a 4.5 and a heart. 
Wow. This is exciting. I feel like I feel like electricity in the air. I feel it. I feel it. Um, so I, I, I apologize. I didn't hit that with with um, Kyle. Did you do you own it? Would you add it to your collection? Uh, how'd you watch it? Uh, I bought it on 4K. And Side I'm unseen. Really glad I, and I'm really glad I own it. Well, yes, me too. I have purchased this movie several times over the years on you know, different formats. And if they release it again, I'll buy it again. Uh, this movie is, I think it, it, it hits like all the right notes and, and it ages with you. Um, I, my only regret for Kyle viewing it is that he had to, you know, see it as an adult and didn't get to experience mm-hmm. it kind of the way Brendan and I have watched it, like starting it in our youth and how it scared us. And then it turns into something else. And now I just hold it close to my heart for all the memories plus the nostalgic value. And I feel like the the acting is is on you know on point with what what they're trying to deliver i think the the makeup is fun like is the exploding bathroom when a vampire dies like every blood sucker is going to go out different like feldman's delivery is just so fucking feldman like it's great yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nook's performance <laughs> That's going to be Corey Feldman in 10 years when he goes to fucking Universal with an AR. <laughs> <laughs> Every blood sucker goes down. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. Yeah, it's it's a great flick, and I, it stood the test. I want to, to, you know, I have a tendency to be a, a contrarian, and I want to not praise it as, as much as I do and as much as I feel. But I mean, for Christ's sake, it's on my wall. I've got like a very select number of movie posters and it's one of the ones right up there with my Lynch posters and my Star Wars posters. And there's a reason. Um, I don't believe in perfect scores. I will say that. However, I'm going to have to give it a five. I'm going to fucking I'm, I'm quit this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe I don't believe in perfect scores, my man. I just I just don't because there are the couple things that I'm like, oh, well, is as perfect as it is. Here are still its flaws. Like if there's a perfect movie, then I'm going to stop watching movies. If I watch the perfect film, why do I need to watch anything else? This is not perfect, but it's as damn near close to perfect as it gets. Um, I don't know how point by point i can rate something do they do just by, by point fives by halves. just by halves okay man then it's a it's a 4.5 with a double heart if that exists but i mean i love this movie to death if you want to give it a four hold on, point, hold on. If, i'm if giving it a 4.5 then i'm giving it a 4.5 then well i was gonna say if he wants to give it a 4.8 this movie will never grow old this movie will never die it's fun to be a vampire Damn, 4.5 for me <laughs> and a heart so that's a 4.5 with a heart across the board with the official red rum rating that is awesome that's a good flick if you haven't seen it uh you're clowning around stop it go watch it uh so now clowning around <laughs> clowning around brought to you by the red rum crew and their uh convoluted rules we now have an opportunity to play a little game they call What's in the Box. Um, the rules go something like this. I'm going to read a description from Letterboxd, and my two uh, buddies here are going to try and, one, guess the rating of the film, and if they get that within 0.3, uh, they get 
high five. And then you got to <laughs> guess the name of the movie and then guess the uh, decade. And throughout all that, there's a few other points assigned and some more hand jobs handed around, depending <laughs> on how close they get. Um, but are you guys ready to play? See, see okay, whatever. So, see whatever. Who's who's keeping score? Because I'll keep score. Okay. Okay. Brandon's keeping score. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, five medical students want to find out if there is life after death. They plan to stop one of their hearts for a few seconds, thus simulating death, and then bring that person back to life. See, now this could be the remake. I feel like Mitch might be coming in playing. Mm. Playing it's tricky, uh, right? Playing some tricks mm. on us. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say three point two. Three point three point three. That's a good guess. Three point one. Oh my goodness. We have two winners in that round, but Kyle hitting it on the nose at three point one. Three point one. And I don't think we need to say what it is because you guys already know, right? But guess the decade. We gotta guess, guess the decade. The decade. Oh, it's next? the fly. It's the fly. Yes, you're <laughs> correct. It's the blob, the is remake it? of the blob. I've actually never seen this movie, but is it the nineties? Um, uh, I'll say 80s. 90s? I don't remember. And Kyle is correct with the 90s. 1990, directed by Joel Schumacher, Flatliners, with the lovely Kiefer also starring. All right. Next up, <clears throat> tagline remember, is... Remember, we got to guess the year at the end. You got to guess if, the year at the end? Like whoever guessed year? a decade, correct, gets another point if they can guess the year. You don't need any more points. You did really well on that one. So okay, fine. Okay, no, more points, no more points. It only applies to me. <laughs> All right. Did did I not tell you the, the year? Okay, guess the year. 1990. Yeah, okay. Oh, he already right. said it. You really need that. <laughs> no, I'm not on that point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, here's the tagline. Uh, just for fun, Let's. I guess I'll read that in addition to the little description. In every mind, there is a door that should never be opened. After being hypnotized by his sister-in-law, Tom Whitsky begins seeing haunting visions of a girl's ghost, and a mystery begins to unfold around her. Guess the rating. 2.7.9. Are those your official red romancers? See. You're both wrong. All right. Moving on to the next one. Or do I Wait, just... hold on. We, we got to we, we guess the decade. <laughs> guess the decade. Uh, guess, 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 guess. 80s. I'm sticking with it. 2000s. Brendan thinks he's like nailed down a theme and he's going to stick with that 80s thing. Kyle taking a stab with the 2000s. Unfortunately, both our contestants are wrong. Darn. Darn. This, now do I give it away? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This was the 1999 film Stir of Echoes. Oh, starring one Kevin Bacon. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. Right I on the cusp, dude. I really like that one. Yeah, it was totally right on the cusp. Uh, how many do we do? That's three or four? Uh, three. I usually do three and then a, f- a fourth if there's a tie, like a tie on the third to break it. Okay, so I'm going to do this fun one. It's up to you, though. It's up to you. It's totally up I'm going to do this fun one. I'm going to do this fun one. Here we go. No rest for the wicked. Once an architect, Frank Bannister now passes himself off as an exorcist of evil spirits. To bolster his facade, he claims his special gift is the result of a car accident that killed his wife. 
But what he does not count on is more people dying in the small town where he lives. As he tries to piece together the supernatural mystery of these killings, he falls in love with the wife of one of the victims and deals with a crazy FBI agent. This sounds so familiar. I guess the rating. what this is. What the fuck? It sounds like... Uh... No. What's that? Two point. What? What's that? What the fuck is... uh, The guy who directed Lord of the Rings. Uh, Peter Jackson. Yeah, what's that Peter Jackson movie with Michael J. Fox? That's what it sounds like. Uh, The Frighteners? Yeah, it sounds like Frighteners. I could be wrong, but... uh, 2.8. 3.0. You have a 2.8 and a 3.0? 2.9. 2.9. Uh, sorry, no points awarded for that round. It is 3.4. Mm. 3.4. 90s. Mm. Mm. So I was also going to say 90s. I'm sticking with 90s. Fuck you. It is the 90s. Guess the year. Since you're both I'll right. let you go first. Um, 94. Great good guess. That was a pretty good guess. I'm going to say 96. No, that's too late. 90, I'll stick with 96, whatever. You know, oftentimes when I've played this game with you guys, I wonder if maybe perhaps Kyle has a hack that allows him to view my screen from afar. Ow! That is The Frighteners, 1996, as ah, yes, directed okay. by Peter Jackson. I, I just that know my 90s call. movies. Yeah. I, don't, I, I, was like, I had no clue what movie it was, but it sounded so familiar. Yeah. Dude, as you started Isn't to that say awesome? that, it's a good though, movie. The Frighteners ah. is a good movie. Yeah, I think you're cheating. Isn't uh, Frank Bannister the name of the uh, the Punisher? Frank Castle. 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 Mm. So yeah. what's the score, scorekeepers? Uh, I have 12 points. Kyle has three. That's absolutely not accurate. <laughs> uh, Kyle has five. I have seven. Um, right. Okay, no. Kyle has five. I have two. So Kyle wins. Kyle, do you want to give Brendan a chance to catch up? Yes. Or do you want to just completely annihilate him and, and see if you got this one? No, I like a competition. Let's go. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's do one more. Um, I'm come back in. A tormented jazz musician finds himself lost in an enigmatic story involving murder, surveillance, gangsters, doppelgangers, and an impossible transformation inside a prison cell. What in the HP Lovecraft is this? Um, it's the Shawshank Redemption. What's the rating? Three. Sorry, three point three. You have a three and a three point three. That's high. I don't think it's going to be that high. No, you're right. No, what you're sticking with yours? Three point three. Yeah, three. Yeah. You think that's too high? That's too low. It's too low. Four point oh. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a 90s movie. <laughs> it sounds like a 90s movie. Every other movie has been a 90s movie. This is, yeah, yeah. and this is not 2000s. This is not 2000s. Let's be honest. Oh, fuck. And it's not 80s. It's 90s. I'm going 90s. I want to say 90s too. You, you guys say. are both correct. It is the 90s. We were sticking okay, to the now, theme. For all the marbles. Because this is how I roll. If Brendan gets the year right, he wins. Oh, I like it. I like it. 
It's like it's like uh what Jeopardy. I'm throwing it all on the line. End, right? Yeah, I'm throwing for it all the line. win, for the win, give us a year, mm-hmm. Brendan. I um, wouldn't even guess the year. The W. What year did it come out? Yeah. What year? <laughs> uh, Kyle, should I go high or low? I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's on the back end, based on the description. If I'm being honest, I'm thinking it's on the back end. Yeah, I'm gonna say 95. I'm gonna go middle. I'm Dead thinking middle. that Kyle knows me well enough that he knows what it is and he's playing with you. I except, don't know what it is, except that he said that he wasn't gonna take a guess. You're gonna say 95, Brendan. I'm gonna say 95. This 4.0 I'll say 90, movie. I'll, I'll say 97. Don't you fucking dare! This 4.0 movie released in 1997. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go. What movie is it? Can you guess? I, I, I genuinely don't know. Really? But yeah, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Directed by one Mr. David Lynch, Lost Highway. Oh, Lost Highway. Okay, yeah, duh. Okay, yeah, yeah. Have I seen that? I thought that was going to be the gimme of all. No, I don't know. I'm bad with movie descriptions. Even if I've seen the movie, I'm really bad with them usually. Especially because of the end. Like I was like, ooh, I don't I even know if I can read this because that's going like, to give it away. Yeah, An impossible yeah, yeah. transformation inside a prison cell. I'm like, okay, so this is just like, why even bother? Yeah, no, t- totally. I- I'm really bad at those. Um, but yeah, no, you. I-, I don't think you've seen Lost Highway. Okay. Brendan. And you need to because it's... Well, it sounds it's, amazing. It's probably the most horror of his movies, in my opinion. Okay. Oh, easy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just straight up classify this one as a horror movie. Cool. So that puts year to date at Kyle 11, Brendan 11. I'm now tied with Brendan. Ian 9 and Mitch 16. Oh, God. We've got some catching up to do. <laughs> when, when does the series end? Um... March 1st. <laughs> March 1st. Okay. Excellent. So, as we uh sign off and and uh, roll out into the darkness, let's say goodbye to our wonderful hosts, Brendan Mr. Fantastic. Uh Michael, if you're listening, mm. Mm. There's um a lot of man-on-man action in this movie. I don't think this movie is for you. Um, Since you live in Alaska, yeah. I would recommend you watching 30 Days of Nights if you're trying to get your vampire fix. Um, And also, stop hitting your wife, please. And from the man with the plan, the Kyle with the K... I think Michael would like it if the sex scene was a little longer and showed more boob. Then I could mm-hmm. probably recommend this film to him. But, Mitch, it was an honor for you to host The Lost Boys, one of your favorite movies of all time. I'm glad I finally got to see it. I'm glad I finally got to do this episode with you. And it's going to be on the Internet's uh, the universes forever. And we could always go back and listen to it when we're really old and... <laughs> reminisce of the good times of the first time that we I watched Lost Boys and we talked about it. So I'm glad this is, exists and uh, thanks for doing it. I appreciate you. you. Always remember your first time. Uh, mm-hmm. This is uh, your guest host, Mitchie D, the uh, Native American Thor, as it were, uh, saying, check out Ruminations of Red Rum, the blood sucking, sexy as fuck, hot young podcast of the Ruminations Radio Network. 
anywhere you can get podcasts. Hot and sexy, but legal. Stay spooky, folks. (laughs) 